0: Hi everybody, thanks for joining me today. My name is Steve Riefman, I'm a National Board Certified Elementary School teacher and author in Santa Monica, California. During my 24 year career, I've worked to create an approach that engages the whole child and empowers students to achieve academic excellence, build strong character, develop lasting work habits and social skills, and take charge of their health and wellness. In this podcast, I'll be sharing strategies, stories, tips, and resources that will help you inspire and empower your students and improve your teaching. In this episode, I'll be focusing on the first hour of a new school year. I've often said that the most important 30 days of the school year are the first 30 days. I think the most important day of the school year is the first day of school, and I think the most important hour of the school year is the first hour. Because the beginning of the year is the time that we set the tone for our students So that they know what to expect throughout the year. In my ebook, The First Month of School, I make the point that at the beginning of every school year, I think it's crucial for teachers to focus on four priorities establish procedures, routines, and expectations so students know how to function efficiently and effectively in our classrooms, build a cooperative classroom culture, largely through icebreaking and tea building activities so kids feel safe and comfortable and see one another as friends and assets, not rivals. Establish a sense of purpose in our class so students understand why it's so important to come to school every day and work hard and communicate with students' families about the new year. Two of these priorities guide what I like to do during the first hour of a new school year. Establish procedures, routines, and expectations and build a cooperative classroom culture. Establishing a sense of purpose is largely done through the creation of a class mission statement. That's something I discuss in a different podcast. And that's something I start with my students during the first full week of school, generally not on the first day of school. And then the other priority, communicating with students' families, is something I start doing through what I call the first day letter. It's a two or three page letter in which I introduce myself and introduce my priorities and hopes for the coming school year. So that's not something that's actually done during the first hour of school. And after I send that letter home with the parents, I will follow up on those efforts with regular emails and through back to school night. Just before the bell rings at 8.30 at our school in the morning on the first day, the most important thing I need to remember is to have everything ready to go. So if there are any notes or lesson plans that I need, I have them on my chair in the front of the room Whatever papers or materials the kids are going to need for that first morning, that needs to be um, put where it's going to be used so that the kids don't have to spend any time waiting and we can get right down to business and use our time very well. Now when the bell rings, all of the kids are going to be outside the door and so are their parents. So even though the first thing that we do in the morning is line up outside the door, that first morning is not the time to teach that routine. And I love getting right to the routine so the kids learn them. But sometimes we just need to know when it's time to start teaching one and when it isn't. And right at the beginning of the year is not yet the time to teach the kids how to line up. So a few at a time, I ask the kids to come on in, put their belongings in the closet in the back of the room, find their name tag that I have waiting for them on the front table, put the name tag on, recycle the back of it in the recycling bin, which I have right next to that table, and then take a seat in the circle um, around the rug that we have in the front of the room. I don't want everybody coming in at once because I think it's gonna be too chaotic. So I'll stand by the front door. I'll invite a few kids. I'll say hello to some parents that are still there. And then after a couple minutes, all of the kids will be inside. All of their belongings will be in the back closet. All of them will have their name tag on. They'll be sitting in a circle. We'll be ready to start. I will say goodbye to the parents. I will shut the door and we will be ready to begin. So after just a couple minutes, everybody will have a name tag on, we'll be in our circle, ready to start our first activity. Once we're all sitting on the rug, I will introduce myself, I will welcome everybody, I will let them know how excited I am for us to start our school year, and then we will begin our group introductions. One at a time, the kids will take a turn introducing themselves as we go around the circle, And this helps with names that are difficult to pronounce. Rather than me sit with my attendance sheet trying to pronounce names that sometimes can be difficult, the kids are saying the names themselves, so I can hear it, I can make a little note, and it makes that a lot easier. Once everybody's had a turn to say their name going around the circle, we then go around the circle a second time to do the morning check-in that we will do every morning for the rest of the school year. We use a variation of an activity that I discovered many years ago in the Tribes book, which is a fantastic um, team building, classroom environment setting type of book. So the kids have a choice of any number between 1 and 10 to say to the class as their morning check-in. If they're feeling super happy, excited, life really couldn't be any better, they can say 10, if they're at the opposite end of the spectrum, if they're feeling sick or extremely tired or something outside of school may not be going well, they can say one, they can pick any number in between, fractions and decimals included, and they also have the right to pass. So the kids go around the circle saying their numbers. It's a great way to see how everybody's doing as we start our new school day and our new school year. Finally, we will do our lunch count. I will ask everybody to raise their hand tall if they are eating in the cafeteria. This is probably the first routine that I teach. When the kids raise their hand, I need them to raise their hand straight up because sometimes kids bend their elbows, their hand is basically next to their ear, and it can be difficult to tell whether somebody is or is not raising their hand. So right from the get-go, I want them raising their hands super tall anytime that they are doing that. Once we're done with our lunch count, I know I'm going to need the kids to switch from their spot in the circle, to a spot in our rows. In my room, we have one of those rugs that's divided into rows of different colors, and then within every row, there are lines. So that there are 30 spots, so it's very easy for the kids to know whether they are inside of a square or not. So I let them know that I'm gonna ask them in a minute to move into rows when I say go, is what I will say, so they know to wait for that go signal. I say, when I say go, I'm going to ask you to find a carpet square where you can have a great view of the board. Um, if there's somebody that you think you might talk with or not be able to focus around, you know, maybe we want to sit somewhere else. And when you do sit in rows, I'm going to ask for your eyes to be on the board so that when they move, they are ready to listen. And I want them to make sure that they're not taking up space in someone else's carpet square. I want them to have a good sense of personal space so that everybody's comfortable and has plenty of room to sit. So then I'll say go. Everybody moves into a square. After a minute or so, or after a few seconds or so, everybody is settled and we're ready to move to the next part of the morning. Once the kids are in their carpet squares, there is so much that I want to say to them, but I know that I have to pick my spots. I don't want them sitting for too long. So I have to be sure that everything I'm saying to them at this very early stage of the school year is extremely important. So the first thing I tell them is that, you know, some of them I might know from previous years or maybe their sibling was in my class, some of them I may not know. But whether I know them or not, when they walk in my front door at the beginning of a new school year, they immediately become one of the most important people in my life and I will do whatever I can to help them. And I will share that sometimes that means giving them some encouragement or reassurance. Sometimes it may mean giving them a little push. And together, we're going to have a great school year. I'm trying to convey a sense of optimism, excitement, and possibility. For many kids, um, sadly, they may not have experienced academic success in their previous grades and I want them to know that this year can be different. And when I send home the first day letter to the parents, I also try to create a sense of optimism, excitement, and possibility so that all of us are um, feeling very positive about the new school year ahead. There's a well-known quote that's often shared among educators. And the quote says that children don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So by telling them how important they are to me, this is the beginning of my effort to let them know how much I care about them, how important they are to me, so that they understand that. The next thing I share with students is also meant to reassure them and make them feel very comfortable. And it stems from the fact that I'm very tall, six feet two, and for many of the kids, it's the first time they've had a male teacher, and perhaps that can be a little scary for some kids. So. I want to tell them that in my entire career, never have I raised my voice to a student, and I will not raise my voice to them. And also, our classroom environment is based on respect. I will treat them with respect, I ask them to treat me with respect, and I ask them to treat one another with respect. So in just a few seconds, I can hopefully put them at ease and plant a seed of how important respect is as we create our classroom culture over the next days and weeks. The final thing that I'll do with my students when we are sitting in rows is introduce and go over what I call our norms for discussion. These are our agreements so that anytime we come to the rug for a lesson or for a class discussion, we agree to follow these norms. And I think these are so important that I want to introduce them within the first few minutes of a new school year. On the board, I will show the norms and I'll read them to you aloud. They are, we listen intently as others speak. We listen without interrupting. We let each other finish speaking before raising our hands. We make eye contact with the speaker. And we may politely disagree, but we do not criticize other people's comments. And it's important that these norms be phrased positively, because many times in schools, students encounter a lot of don'ts. And it's important to focus on what we want them to do, not on what we don't want them to do. I'll ask for volunteers to, one at a time, read the norms aloud so that the class can hear them. And then I'll ask for one brave volunteer to come up to the front of the room to stand with me and practice. Now, it's not easy to come up in front of your brand new classmates and talk with the teacher but there are always plenty of volunteers who want to do this. So I will invite that student up and I'll say that we're going to be discussing summer vacation. And I will apologize in advance because I will acting in I will be acting in ways that I will try not to act throughout the school year. But simply for the purposes of demonstration, I will break one norm at a time as they're talking to me and ask the rest of the kids on the rug to hold up fingers indicating which norm I am breaking. So if I say, what did you do this summer, and the volunteer says I went to summer camp, I might be staring at the ceiling while they're answering that question. The rest of the kids will hold up four fingers to show that I was not making eye contact with the speaker. If I say, did you see any movies, and the student is answering that one, I might raise my hand while they're in the middle of their answer, and the rest of the kids will be holding up three fingers, because I did not let the student finish before raising my hand. I may interrupt another time, the kids would hold up two fingers, and I might criticize somebody's opinion, even though um, norm number five says that I shouldn't do that, the rest of the kids will hold up five fingers. So we'll practice each one a few times so the kids have a nice introduction to what these norms are and how we will be using them throughout the school year. We're now ready for our main activity of the morning. It's our first icebreaker. And I learned this activity about six years ago at a conference in Chicago when I went to a presentation by speaker and author Dave Burgess. His idea was to give each child a can of Play-Doh and ask them to make something that represents them somehow. And the creativity that this activity offers is just terrific. When I first heard the activity, I knew that I would do this the first hour of each school year and I've used it on the first morning ever since. I excuse a few students at a time from the rug to begin the activity, and it's fun to see them search around for their favorite Play-Doh color, because that's where they want to sit. Many kids may already have friends from previous school years. If they sit together, that's good for me to know that they have a friendship. If there are kids who are new to the school and other kids who might not be new to the school, but they just don't happen to know kids in our class, it gives me a good chance to see that. I can talk with them begin to connect with them, perhaps introduce them to the kids around them to form some friendships. And once everybody is started, it's a very nice way to ease into the school day. Many kids show up at school nervous or anxious, and if they begin the day by playing with Play-Doh, then it's something that's very relaxing to them. As they are creating, I get to walk around and see their personalities emerge. Kids who love sports may make make something connected to their favorite sport. Many kids make something involving animals. They make make little figures for their family if their family went on a recent trip. Some kids will put the Play-Doh flat on the plates. Some will make three-dimensional figures. And it's a very nice way to start our morning. Another benefit of the Play-Doh activity is that it enables me to begin promoting important aspects of the classroom culture that I'd like to build. If I see students being especially creative, I can make a big deal about that and talk about how important creativity will be in our classroom this year. If students are simply going about the activity differently than others, they're thinking out of the box, I can make a big deal of the flexible thinking they're doing because that's something I want to promote throughout the year. If one student has purple and the neighbor has yellow, they each tear off a little bit of their Play-Doh and trade with their partner so they can have a second color, I will make a big deal out of the cooperation of the collaboration because that's definitely something I want to promote in the classroom. Once the kids have had about 15, 20, 25 minutes to work on their creations, which are, by the way, done on plates so they can put their Play-Doh on a plate. They have a paper towel nearby as well, so that's all ready for the kids when they walk in the room. Once they are finished, I will ask everybody to put their plate, um, push it up to the top of their desk, put their forearms on their desk, clasp their fingers together, sit up tall so they're in a good listening position, and we will go around the entire room. I will hand the microphone to each student who will stand up, say their name because we want the kids to learn as many names as possible. That's why we have the name tags as well. They will say what they did in a very short time. They'll, they probably won't need more than 10 or 20 seconds because we definitely want to keep this moving because our classes are probably pretty big. And every time I've talked with a student, they hold up their plate and then I take a picture. So by the end of the day, I have a picture of every child smiling with their Play-Doh creation. And after I've talked with the first three or four students, I'll go back to the first student. I'll stand behind that person. I'll hold my hand up over their head, and I'll ask the rest of the class to say their name. I'll go to the next person, whole class will say their name. And we'll do that throughout the time that I'm circulating throughout the room so that everybody is hearing their name called, and everybody has multiple chances to learn students' names. The kids will take their Play-Doh creations home at the end of the day, and they get very excited to share with their parents. And their parents are excited to see what their child did on the first morning. And they know that the kids had a chance to express their personalities and bond with their new classmates. By the time we finish creating and sharing our Play-Doh creations, there's usually a little bit of time before the kids head to their first recess. If there's a lot of time, it's a good opportunity to take care of some tasks that simply need to get done. For example, I give my students folders of different colors and in each folder, they keep their work from a different academic area. So I'll have them come to the rug, we'll write the name of each academic area on one of the labels that I put on each folder, and then on the second label that's on each folder, they put their name. So that's something that we can easily take care of if we are five or 10 minutes. So it's nice to take advantage of that time. The final thing I like to do before the kids head to their first recess is prepare them. The playground can be a difficult place to navigate for many students, so I think it's important to be proactive so that before the kids go to their first recess, they know exactly what's expected of them and they know what their options are. For example, they need to know that they're not supposed to be in the hallways during recess. They're supposed to stay on the playground. And Recess time is the best time to get a drink or fill up your water bottle use the restroom. They need to know what to do when the bell rings. Many schools have freeze bells, so the kids need to know to freeze. They need to know where to line up and they need to walk to the line and not run to the line. And finally, they need to know how to begin to handle situations that might be tricky. So if your school already has a conflict resolution system in place, this is a great time to introduce it, if not, you can brainstorm in just a couple minutes some strategies that students can use if anybody ever bothers them on the playground. They can try using an eye statement for example, they can try walking away, they can tell a yard teacher if they need to. So we can begin to help kids handle these types of situations effectively so that after recess, we can review with them what if anything happened, how those situations were handled and what we can do next time. So we're building capacity. Um, with all of our students when they head out to the playground. In addition, we want to be aware of the fact that there may be students who are new to the school and they may not know the layout of the school. So before we head out for the first time, it's great to ask for student volunteers who would like to show any new student around, play with them, make them feel welcome so that nobody um, feels lonely and nobody goes to recess and dreads it because they have nothing to do and nobody to play with. We want everybody to feel connected to their classmates and to their school. That's gonna wrap up this edition of the Teach the Whole Child podcast. Thanks again for joining me. I hope you found the information useful. If you would like to reach out, I am always happy to connect. On my website, stevereefman.com, there's a place where you can send me an email. I am on Twitter at Steve Reefman, and on Facebook, I have a Teaching the Whole Child Facebook page. Thanks.